I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be here sharing with you lessons I've learned, conversations I've had that will equip you to create new habits, challenge mindsets, and build relationships that will allow your family to thrive. I am so excited to bring back our Friends Talking Family episodes. This season, you'll be hearing from show regulars such as Jess Carey, Elise Daly Parker, and Noelle Rhodes. Plus, I'm bringing on a few new guest hosts, and today with us is Andrea Fortenberry. She's been on the show before. She hosts the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering podcast, and she writes and speaks on marriage, motherhood, friendship, and faith. Let's jump into our conversation. So excited today to have with us on the podcast, Andrea and Jess. They have both been on the show before. Andrea, you've been a guest, right? On my podcast. I'm like trying to remember. Do I have that? I'm pretty sure I have. I know you've been on mine. (laughs) Yes. And you've been on mine because Andrea loves to talk about getting rid of that mom perfection. And so we definitely Mm -hmm. had a conversation about that. And then just, she's a frequent friend and part of the Build Your Best Family podcast. So you guys may have met these wonderful women before, but I do want to ask them, what is your family known for? Just so we can sort of reorient who these ladies are, where they're at in their mom life, and who Mm -hmm. are these wonderful children that they're raising. So who wants to go first? Go for it, Andrea. All righty. Our family, we have two kids, 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, and we really want to be known as a family that loves and serves others and shows Christ's love. So we try to do that by being thoughtful, by serving at church and elsewhere and serving one another. Love that. And I'm Jess. I have similar age children to Andrea. I've got a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old, so a little bit closer in age. But we are known for, I just was thinking of this, we're kind of known for our faith and our fitness. (laughs) Our whole life sort of revolves around those two (laughs) ideas intermingled, sometimes at the same time. So yeah, that's kind of what we're known for. Oh, yeah. I love that. Mm Okay, so today we're going to talk about parenting with purpose. So they say that parenting with purpose is an approach to raising children that emphasizes intentional and clear vision for their values, goals, and principles that they want to instill in their children. And this has definitely been the foundation of what we do here at Build Your Best Family, this idea of determining our values, determining the things that we want to know, be known for, deciding ahead of time what's important to us so that we can make those things a priority and lean into them with intention, as opposed to just hoping that we have time to get to those things or just hoping that mm-hmm. those things show up in our lives because we're way too busy to do anything on purpose. We want to get away from that sort of busy life, living mm-hmm. on by default not making decisions and therefore having decisions made for us by the culture or the circumstance Mm -hmm. or the situation that we find ourselves in. So I wanted to go back to the foundation of what we, what I love so much about raising children and our approach to raising children and the way that I know you guys have also raised your children. So that's what I'm excited to talk about today. So what is really the foundation of this kind of living is having clear values and principles. So I'm curious Mm -hmm. for you guys, what would you say are your values? Do you have a list of top five values? I know, Jess, you said 
fitness and faith. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you would say you keep coming back to and you do on purpose? Well, as a mom, I mean, it is those two guiding principles. We have others. Generosity is one of them. Hospitality is another one of our family values. We actually did this exercise not too long ago as a family. So Alex and I have done it in the past, you know, like what are sort of our principles, you know, that guide our decision-making but we hadn't included the kids. And now that they're teens, it's like, no, you're actually contributing to the culture of our family. What do you think are marking values for our family? So it was kind of fun. We sat around the table and everybody put, you know, I I, I sort of did this unprompted. So I didn't give them any ideas. I just gave them examples that I didn't think were our family values. <laughs> I purposely chose some that I was like, these are not our family values. <laughs> So that then I could see what they had to say. And it it actually distilled down to, you know, health, health and wellness, faith, you know, and then hospitality and generosity. And then there were a couple of others. But when we decided on those, that actually then helps us determine what to say no to, what to say yes to. And I think that's really crucial as a family. So the thing is, the things that I continue to come back to is remind my family when they want to do something that is outside of that, or that would be a distraction to a, a different priority, then we kind of circle back to that conversation. A good example, we are a sports family, you know, that ties into our health and wellness thing, but we're also faith driven. So sometimes on a Sunday when there's an optional, I'll say that optional sports event, that we say no to on a Sunday so that we can go to church. Whereas when they've got a tournament, that's a big tournament or something like that. Sometimes we won't go to church, but we'll listen to a sermon online or we'll do something as a family later or at an alternative time during the weekend. So those are the ways that we allow flexibility in our values, but also continuing to make them lead in the decision-making. I hope that makes sense. What about you, Andrea? Yeah, I, we actually never sat down to like talk with our kids. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to do that. But as I was listening to Jess, we have similar ones being generous and hospitable. Another one that my husband and I have talked about when our kids are super little, like, what do we want to teach them? One, one of those is personal responsibility. And when we go somewhere like to the park and we're having a picnic or whatever, we always use the phrase, we leave it better than we found it because Mm -hmm. it's super easy. I think for kids and this hasn't changed from when we were kids too. Like we just think it's all about us, right? We can be super selfish. And so we're trying to teach our kids, like we want you to think of others, not just your experience. And we don't want you to leave messes that someone else has to pick up. So really Mm -hmm. just personal responsibility. And it's super hard sometimes this one as a mom, because your kids will call you or text you and be like, mom, I forgot my whatever. Can you bring it to me at school? And I've really had like, there's been times where I'm like, you know, I could rearrange my whole day to do this, but am I teaching them that personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and letting them live with the consequences of their lack of planning or what have you? So that's one of those that requires a lot of discernment as a mom, but 
just letting them grow into adults and into people who, again, consider others who are responsible for their actions. I think, again, we're just hardwired to be like, oh, <laughs> it's it's not my fault. It was This was because of so-and-so or this mm-hmm. teacher or what have you. And it's like, no, just take responsibility for your part in it and move on and, and learn from there. Andrea, I wish I had one of those applause tracks, you know, for all the moms listening. They're like, yes, I agree with this. Yeah, like I I sort of have a rule, like if they forgot something because I reminded them and they didn't do it or I or they didn't make time for it, I suggested that I'm not bringing it to you. But if if I know you were up late studying, you got up early, but you just couldn't you just. Right. We're having one of those mornings, then I, I extend grace, but I have yeah. to go back to that principle. What is it that I want them to learn through their experience? Is this something that I can do for them? Does it make sense? Or is this an opportunity for them to learn, you know, personal responsibility, planning, resilience, you know, whatever it is. And so that's where those values come in handy. I mean, there's so many decisions we've had to make that we kind of have to go, whoa, wait a minute. Or is it lining up with our values? Is it teaching our children what we want them to learn? Or or are we just doing this because we're just going with the flow? For us, I think creativity is really important. Mm -hmm. Efficiency is really important. Excellence, generosity, hospitality. Those are things that me and my husband have spent a lot of time talking about. And I remember when I first started thinking about values, I was like, how the heck am I supposed to pin these down? Like there's so many good things that we can embrace. And I think we have to look for things in our life to help point us towards. So for anybody that's struggling going, well, how am I supposed to come up with these values? Of course, this is amazing. Of course, that's amazing. But once you figure out those things, it just changes everything. Like Jess, you said, what to say yes to, what to say no to, what to spend our money on, what to spend our time or energy on, how to make choices. Do we, do we go to school and rearrange our schedule for Mm -hmm. our kids for the things they forget? And so there Mm -hmm. is such a peace of mind when you have your values determined and just Mm. naming them and saying them out loud or having a conversation with our spouse about them just makes us more inclined to live in a way that lines up with their, our values. What do you guys think? Oh, I couldn't agree more. I, I also did marriage coaching for a hot minute. And in that, like one of the exercises we have that couples do is, you know, determine seven things that you either want your marriage to be known for, like, you know, it's like an aspirational thing or that it is known for already. And again, this, this, helps remind you they actually do we we actually ask them to do an activity where they create a visual representation of that and i think that that's the next step in you know you determine your family values and culture or whatever the principles are and then what if you created you know one of those like board and brush type of a things where you created this beautiful reminder like this is what we are about and I I think that that reinforces, you know, where you want to go and how you're going to implement these in a day-to-day thing or or your day-to-day life. I love Kimberly that you mentioned those. Some people, you know, they're like, I don't, I don't really know. It's sort of like, well, look at your life. What are the guiding principles of your life? What do you spend your money on? What do you, where do you spend your time? What do you enjoy doing as a family? I mean, it, it could be a simple thing like, 
you know, fun could be one of your guiding principles. And you guys like game nights and you like to do live music or whatever that might be. That will lead where you're going to determine what things are. And there's a ton of resources online where you can just be like examples of family values and you'll have, you know, a hundred things that you can pick from. So I do have a resource that I can link to in the show notes. Oh, that's so convenient, Kim. (laughs) I was going to add too, I think having the values and principles, again, defined or talking about them really can also help you to know and teach your kids how to know how to treat other people, Mm -hmm. right? Like we have another thing in our family is grace and forgiveness. And so not only does that apply in our family, but that applies to how we treat people when we're out in public and at school and our workplace and all of those things. So I think it can be not only like an activity or, you know, things like that, but more of relationships. How do we, how do we approach people and Mm -hmm. treat them? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And being clear, Jess, you mentioned language, reinforcing with the way we speak, including our mm-hmm. goals and the words that we say when we when it comes to correcting or realigning or pivoting behaviors mm-hmm. or actions to mm-hmm. use those words, those value words really helps to, I don't want to say incentivize, but it really gives us, it gives us purpose. Like it gives mm-hmm. us something to aim for. <clears throat> there is one thing I quick quickly wanted to share before we move on to the next point. I was watching a TikTok. I don't know who it was, but some guy sitting in a chair. He, you know, has some sort of degree or whatever. And this, whatever. (laughs) He's an expert in (laughs) something. He's an expert. (laughs) But he said, if you want to figure out what your values are, think of the things that make you angry when they're not in place. Mm -hmm. And this one, I was, I was immediately able to create a list of my values, my personal values. So I believe we all have personal values and then we come together mm-hmm. with a partner and then what do we want to embrace together, right? Because I believe that we can have personal values and then have family values and they don't need to be one and the same. They don't need to, they shouldn't be in conflict with each other, but they, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. there are some things my husband's like, I don't really care if I ever like draw a picture, but you're creative, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Anyways, and it, it was so enlightening because it really gave me a little bit of clarity into me and my husband's relationships and where we kind of butt heads. Because I wrote down a list of things that I get frustrated with when they're not happening in my family or in my relationship and collaboration, grace, action, problem solving, creativity, learning, and growth. Like those make me frustrated when we're not collaborating when there's not grace being extended or when we're not taking action, that drives me nuts. I'm like, if you see a problem, just, just do it. Just do it. Don't, don't, don't hold a meeting. When the trash is overflowing, just fix it. Just fix it. Right. (laughs) And I, and I wrote these down for my husband. So I don't know if he's listening to this episode, but I don't know if, I, I mean, this is what I see in him. This is what he, what frustrates him when, when it's absent logic, efficiency, justice, Mm. ease, he likes ease, consistency and reliability. And so Mm. for us, like when I look at this list, I see that when these things are in competition to one another, not competition, but when, when we are engaging in an activity and efficiency is really important to me, him and grace is really important to me. We've got to go, there's two different values at play here what's Mm. really important, what's really the outcome that we want to see. And so, I mean, it's kind of like 
that could be, it's a whole nother podcast about how do we work through relationships when we have values that are different, but we've been able to, as a family, when I look at this list, we have picked out favorites and we have picked out values that can work in conjunction with one another and then become Mm -hmm. a new value for our family. But I just thought that was a really easy, fun way to, to figure out, well, what is important to me? Yeah, I agree with that. And it kind of leads into this next thing when you're talking about values that um, can at times be in conflict with one another. Mm -hmm. It's like, then that brings us to setting goals, right? Like if you have a unifying goal, then you can sort of temporarily put a, not put a value aside, but you can give grace in that season because you're working towards a similar goal as a family. That's how we have found it easy to overcome some of those things. Like punctuality is one of my values, but none of the rest of the family has that as a value. (laughs) So, you know, but when we have a, a similar goal, and it is clearly outlined, then either, you know, my punctuality is like, okay, it doesn't matter. We're, Mm -hmm. we're doing, we just are trying to have a happy morning. Right. Or it's guys, this is a very important thing. We want to be on time. And, you know, then they kind of align with my value during that season. So I, I think goal setting is another aspect of, you know, parenting, that will help, especially in those circumstances where your values might be in conflict. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Or even with the goal, we can approach the same goal a little bit differently. Like our, within our family, we may play a different part that aligns more with our value and what's important to us, but our spouse or our kids will approach it differently in the way that meets their value. So I think just the communication and the conversation of, Hey guys, this is our goal. This is why it's important. What part can we each play to make sure that we achieve that goal? I think that can be helpful. Yeah. Can I ask you guys a really practical question? How do you guys set goals with your family? Like, do you have a specific time? Like, what does that look like? Hmm. Well, some seasons have been better than others. Um, you know, there was a couple years where I was like, okay, at the end of the year, like we would take that week of Christmas break, right? And I would try to get, that would be when we sort of settle down and be like, what do you guys, you want to set some goal? I mean, my kids have never been a fan of setting goals. Like, I think I need to use different language and it's okay to use different language, right? So I'm like, hey guys, do you want to read like 10 books this year? Do you want to like, I'm like, no, they're like, um, no, I've, I've had, I've had successes and I've had maybe not failures, but learning experiences when it comes to setting goals. But we do, we have, we do do a family retreat for, for a handful of years. We were doing a family retreat where we were really giving each other feedback and we were using that as a springboard to say, Hey, like, you know, your sisters and your brother, and we all kind of agree that you X, Y, and Z, like what, what are some goals we can set so we can break away from that habit or to embrace another value more without giving too much away of my kids and what they need to work on. (laughs) We've used it as a springboard to kind of connect with them throughout the year and say, yeah, this was the feedback you got. Do you feel like you're making progress in this area? Do you need me and me and dad to help you out and encourage you in a little bit more in this area. And so when it comes to personal things, things of character, we, 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 we've used that as a springboard, but I would like some advice on setting family goals. If any of y'all have some. (laughs) Yeah, we've not done 
regularly a formal goal setting time. But when I think about it just in the practical day to day, I think there are little micro goals that we encounter as families. And one I'm thinking of is like, okay, we're having people over for dinner. So our goal is that we want to clean up our house and we want to figure out a meal together. What can we make? What can we do when our family friends come over? And what I have found, again, like I was talking about earlier, that we're going to approach the goal differently is that I've had to let go of my tendency to want to control how the goal is achieved and all the exact steps to get there and let my kids kind of take some responsibility and some ownership of things. Like I'm thinking back a couple of years ago, my goal, you know, dinner time, we're cleaning up. I wanted them to do the dishes so that I didn't have to. And I wanted them to do it together. One of them would wash, one would rinse. They would stand there and have conversation and it would be lovely. Like that's how I wanted them to do it. But they were fighting so much. And they finally said, mom, this is how we want to do it. One of them would take care of it. And then the next time the other one would take care of it, they would alternate. And that wasn't how I wanted it to be done, but I said, okay. And it works great. We are accomplishing the goal of getting dinner cleaned up, but they came up with the best way to do it for them. Mm -hmm. So it it looked differently, but we're getting to the goal. Yeah. That's been really successful with our family. Like this is the goal how do you guys like giving them a sense of agency and ownership and saying, how do you think we should handle it and what can get us to the goal and and focusing less. I've, I've left also let go of like how it gets done. And if it's getting done, like how do you guys mm-hmm. think you should work together? Mm-hmm. I, I will say this, Alex and I do a really formal goal setting period. And again, it's like you, Kimberly, it's sort of the end of the year that week between Christmas and New Year's typically. And we, I I mean, I have like a PowerPoint presentation that is, (laughs) I'm very nerdy and organized like that. (laughs) But we have, you know, different buckets of goals that we try to set each year, our spiritual goals, financial goals, family, family and marriage goals. And then Mm -hmm physical goals. And then we have the last one is professional or school goals. And so each of us choose a couple of items in each one that we want to try to accomplish during the year. And then usually in the summer, like when the kids break for school, we do a touch base, like how are we doing on our goals? And sometimes it's like circumstances completely obliterate those. We're like, oh, that's not going to happen, you know, and we have to reconfigure them. But It's interesting because we always review the previous year's goals when we are resetting our new goals. And it's kind of cool to see what we've accomplished, what has changed, you know, during those different seasons. And it's fun because it does build momentum when you have accomplished those goals. Mm -hmm. Then it's like this beautiful, like the kids are like, I did that, you know, I did accomplish that. And that's exciting to see your kids accomplish something they set their mind to, especially without, we don't consistently, we're not like every month saying, Hey, are you working towards your goal? You know, that that's not the purpose of it. It's more like aspirationally, who do you want to become? What -hmm. do you want to be involved in? So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's how we do it. Yeah. That's fantastic. Mm. 
You've just heard us talking about values and their importance to parenting with purpose. I have an incredible and easy to use step-by-step guide that will help you identify your core values. And it's free over on the Build Your Best Family website. It's perfect if you're new to what it means to live a purpose-driven family life. However, if you've been around a while and you are ready to take what we've been discussing to the next level, may I suggest the Your Family Roadmap Online program. Not only will it help you determine your core values and passions, but it will enable you to translate them into behaviors that will improve your family's life. Going through this program will help you create a more connected and harmonious family and make decisions with confidence. Not only that, it'll help you make the most of the time while your kids are still in your home. And as a mom of college kids, I know that that time goes by fast. I don't want you to miss out on this incredible opportunity to parent with purpose. So I'm giving my podcast listeners 30% off the program costs with the code ROADMAP30. That means for a limited time, the program is only $68. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash resources to sign up. Your family can start living with confidence and purpose today. So another really important thing when it comes to parenting with purpose is consistency. This is something I really struggled with in the early years of, I mean, because that's how you build culture. Culture isn't a one-off thing. It is what can be expected when you are, when you're busy and life is crazy and you're on autopilot, what is, what are the things that are happening? What can you count on? What can you trust? And so there was a lot of, Hit, hit and miss a lot of trial and error to figure out how to be consistent in many, many areas of my parenting. And I think that I've, I've even gone so far as to create house rules or, you know, a list or a framework, you know, we went through one summer where sleepovers, they were obsessed with sleepovers, but I had to put some rules in place about how we make decisions around sleepovers. I wanted to be consistent. I didn't want to be making decisions based on if I was having a good day or if I was having a bad day or if I just couldn't take it anymore or no, I wanted you selfishly around because your dad's out and I was hoping we would have a family movie night. I wanted to be able to have clear ways that I made decisions. And so our values is that that big umbrella for this, but I had to drill down on certain areas and say, okay, here's the criteria, you know, like we're not going to have sleepovers as an extension of an all-day play date that never goes well. We're not going to have back-to-back sleep this is summer. We're not going to have back-to-back sleepovers like you get one sleepover a week. We're not doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, what are the rules and really coming back to those to be consistent because I I wanted to be as a parent, as a mom, I wanted to be able to to have my kids be able to count on me, to count on how I reacted to them and what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. So that's been something I've really tried to focus on over the years. What about you guys? I feel like I've struggled with consistency as well. I think sometimes because it's exhausting, right? Especially when your kids are little (laughs) and you're just trying to get them to master this one bit of understanding or potty training or whatever. It's like, oh, is this ever going to take? Is this ever going to end? And so then sometimes it's easy to not be consistent. Mm -hmm. And then now as my kids have gotten older, same thing, just in terms of, well, 
you know, can I do this with my friends? And I'm trying to consider all the factors and all of these things. But like, I love what you were saying, Kimberly, it's kind of a decide once principle. And when we have those decisions made, it's easier for us as a mom, because I've struggled with not only perfectionism, but also people pleasing a little bit and also Mm -hmm. with my kids. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to say no, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And so I'm navigating these emotions. Whereas if I just have already decided and stick Mm -hmm. to that and let that be Mm. kind of like a decision tree, if you've ever worked through those things, like if this, then that you kind of work through that on the front end, that, that can be helpful so that in the moment, again, your emotions and the tendency to people please, or you don't want to disappoint someone won't get in the way as much. Mm. I love that. And I, I fully agree that consistent consistency, especially in, you know, discipline and setting boundaries with your kids. I love that decision tree idea because I think that that's crucial when kids are little, but it's even more vital when they're Mm -hmm. teens, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, what are, again, what are our family values? What will maintain a healthy cadence for them? And then you have, you know, a rhythm of how do we make decisions based on that? But Mm -hmm. when my kids were young, (laughs) I was, I was a pretty consistent mama. I, in the sense of, I, if there, if there were bad, if there was bad behavior, there was always a consequence. Mm -hmm. And I had a toolbox like stacked with the different consequences that I could pick from based on where we were and location and all that. And I had some incredibly creative (laughs) friends. I had awesome creative mamas around me. And so they gave me these incredible ideas that Mm -hmm. I just adopted as my own. Here's a few examples for mamas that might be listening. One uh, of my friends had a a timeout mat that she would take with her everywhere. And I loved this. So it wasn't like, you know, you're going to have a timeout and it's like this random place, like wherever it was like, no, she brought like either a little tea towel, you know, from the kitchen, a kitchen towel, or she rolled up a placemat. And it was like, wherever that was, that was the timeout place. And she would put it down in the middle of a grocery store, like anywhere. She's like, nope, you're gonna have a timeout. Boom, right there. (laughs) Just stand with that kid. I mean, imagine that is just so shocking and the kid knows, like, mom's not going to wait till I get home. She's right. going to make me sit and right forget, here, right like, now. Wait and forget, right? Nope. I would forget. Nope. Yep. Nope. nope. There was no forgetting. It was going to happen right then and there. <laughs> so those were just a few of the options. Another one of my friends had a, and, and again, I don't know, you know, this might be a touchy topic, but she spanked her kids and she had like a little wooden spoon that was Mr. Sad. And she would just keep Mr. Sad in her purse. And, you know, like the kids would have a moment and she would like, do we need to go have a meeting with Mr. Sad? And the kids were like, nope, (laughs) I'm good. So, you know, it's just one of those things, like it equips you as a mom to be consistent, to always have what you need. Mm -hmm. The kids know that you're like, here's the other thing. I never threatened a consequence that I wasn't okay with. Mm-hmm. You know, I my kids know I do not threaten. I tell you, if you do this, then this will happen. And they uh, 100% know that if they make a decision and it's not what they would like, then there will be a consequence and, and it mm-hmm. will be what I said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those mamas sometimes that are like, if you throw that truck one more time, we're not going to Disneyland. I'm like, fake. I call yeah, right. I call you out on that. That's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> and, and your kids know that too. So I think it's like, just always remember 
before you tell a child that you're going to administer some sort of discipline, mm-hmm. you know, run it through your brain. Am I okay with this? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times consequences for kids will also punish you as a parent to a certain yeah. degree. And sometimes that's appropriate. You know, it's like, no, my kid is having a meltdown. They actually need to go home and have a nap. And even though I want to continue hanging out with my friends at this play date, it's like, they're, they, I cannot stay here. Like, mm-hmm. this is where my child needs to be. And so you, you sort of have to do a consequence that, you know, in a way might punish you as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those are my thoughts. <laughs> That's so good. I, I think another area of being consistent and having boundaries is schedule. And I feel like when my kids were little, I was good at this. Like we were on the baby wise schedule and with the naps and we were really good about bedtime because my husband and I wanted to have time for us to spend time together. So they always had a consistent bedtime and that I think has been helpful for us. And then it's easy though, as they get older to get overextended and over busy with all of their activities. And so this is something that we are constantly trying to work towards having rest time and not being overcommitted because when you do that in the long term, everybody feels it. So I think that's another area to think about being consistent and having good discipline and boundaries. Mm-hmm. That is why we need Andrea in our life right there. Yes. That yes. is solid gold. Yes. Thanks, Red. <laughs> and when we can create consistency in our home life, we're creating a place of safety for our kids because you know, I love following the principle of why, why do these things matter? Why am I making these choices? Why are we enforcing and disciplining in the way we are? And there's always a why behind it. So understanding and knowing your why is really important. And so when I am tempted to not be consistent, I have to remind myself, consistency is providing safety in my home. And our children, they go to school every day for those of us whose kids go up to school outside of our homes. But when they they leave our homes and they're in these other environments, there's there's not a lot they can count on. There's not a lot of consistency. You know, they go to school and their best friends yesterday are not their best friends today. You know, we middle school, right? Or even, I mean, all their life, if I think about it really. There are certain situations, you know, my son right now, like he plays on varsity, but he also plays on JV. And now he's not playing on varsity for the rest of the season because their JV goalie is is better. Like his, like every day he shows up and he finds out something new in school about what's expected of him or who he's supposed to be or where, what he's supposed to be doing. And so to have those consistencies here at home is just really reassuring, comforting, safety for him. So I have to remind myself the why. Why am I doing the work of creating the environment? Why am I doing the work of sacrificing maybe staying out longer with my friends because I've got to get my kids home for for a nap? Why why Mm -hmm. am I doing the work? And so I really believe reminding ourselves of that really helps us to stay consistent when it's really hard. It's probably Mm -hmm. one of the things I've struggled with the most. So communication and connection, those are really, that's another point that contributes to parenting with purpose. I think that, uh, I immediately think of like communication over communication. I've heard Craig Rochelle say, if you, good communication is over communication, constantly talking to our kids about our values, but also what are our expectations of us as a family, of them, Jess, you already touched on this. If you do this, this is the consequence. There's a lot of times when my kids will do things and I haven't decided ahead of time what the consequence is. So I haven't really made it clear to them 
what mm-hmm. they're they are they aren't supposed to do and then I get backed into a corner because then I'm not disciplining them because I didn't really explain to them this is what's going to happen they had mm-hmm. no idea but it's somehow in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> that this boundary line shouldn't be crossed and so mm-hmm. I'm always looking for more ways to over communicate make sure they know what our expectations are making sure they know what our values are but then also making time and space for them to contribute to the conversation and hearing what their their thoughts and their feelings on who we are as a family what we stand for and why we're doing the things we're doing mm-hmm. i found that clear communication and direct communication are such a gift we can give mm-hmm. other people. And I mentioned before, sometimes I struggle with people pleasing and I'm, I want to be really nice and kind, but sometimes that makes my communication confusing to my family because I'm trying to be so nice mm-hmm. instead of being direct. So one thing I will sometimes tell my kids is, Hey, why don't you go feed the dog? And that makes it seem like an option, right? Mm. I'm just trying to say it (laughs) softly. But what I've learned I need to say is, will you please go feed the dog right now or in the next 10 minutes? Like also give Mm -hmm. a timeframe of when you want something done. Because if we just ask our kids, hey, can you go feed the dog? to them that that could mean this afternoon, right? (laughs) They they don't have that sense of urgency as like we do sometimes with chores and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've had to work on is being direct and you can still be kind and be direct, but to just be clear about what I'm needing or expecting of them. Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely brilliant. But I am a very direct communicator naturally. I just have, <laughs> I have to work on the grace part of the kind part of things because I'm like, go feed your dog, you know. <laughs> like that was not a question. That was not an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my tone implied it's right now. <laughs> so but I think that that the second part of that, right? Communication and being clear is the first part, but the connection part of it is the kind part, is the um, I'm willing to listen as well. I think Mm. communication is always two ways. And in our family and in our marriages, sometimes, you know, we get as moms, especially like we get caught up in getting all the things done. And so we're just like air traffic control, do this, do this here, you know, managing all of the plates spinning, Mm -hmm. that sometimes we forget that the connecting part is also vital to the health of our family. I know that that's the part that I have to work on is like sitting down, asking open-ended questions. And to be honest, because I have teenagers, most of the time their responses to my, you know, open-ended questions are like, I don't know, you know, and that's the end of it. I'm like, well, I got more than no or yes, Mm -hmm. I guess. (laughs) And so I've I've had to do a lot of research, especially as my children got older, around how to open a dialogue with a teen where they actually will engage with you. And here is one of the tips that I have found worked really well with my kids, uh, especially, you know, having communication, understanding where they're at is talking to them in the car. So when I'm driving, I'm obviously looking other places so they don't feel the intensity of me hanging on their every word. Mm -hmm. And I have found that like, when I ask them like, oh, you know, how was your day to day? Like, you know, anything interesting happen, anything frustrating happen. Most of the time, the frustrating one, they always have something to say about that, which is 
it does open the door to conversation, but they're more willing to talk when I'm not eyeball to eyeball with them. Mm. So that's actually helped me with connection, which is kind of odd because I'm like, no, I want to sit with you across the table and have a cup of tea. And like, you tell me all of the things that are going on in your world. And they're like, no, mom, we don't want to do that. (laughs) So, but that's where I'm working is on building connection in a way that, um, that they is palatable for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I found with our family, part of our family culture is we enjoy watching TV and movies together. And something that now that my kids are older, that makes it easier to have hard conversations about dating or drinking or things like that are some of the shows that we are watching together and certain scenarios that you watch in an episode that might be really hard to just bring up randomly (laughs) at the dinner table or again, sitting across from each other. And your kids would be like, mom, I don't want to talk about that. Or it's super awkward. But when we see something on a show and we're shoulder to shoulder, it's easy to pause it and say, Hey, what do you think about this? Or this is, this is why we don't want you to pick something like this to make that choice because here's the consequences. Mm -hmm. So one of the shows that we watched a couple of years ago was family matters, which I loved as a kid. And there were just certain scenarios in there that really helped us to have great conversation. And then again, the connection with it too. Mm So brilliant. That's good. Yeah. I'm like with my teens. I'm like, I cannot believe she did that. (laughs) They had to be a little bit more sly if I paused the TV and said to my, you know, 16 year old, what Um, do you think about the choice that they made? That that, that would be a a conversation stopper. But yeah, as they get older, but you have to shift your conversation to meet where they're at and how they want to communicate and and what they need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our last point on parenting with purpose is modeling behavior. So we all know if we have children that our kids are not fooled by the words that come out of our mouth, if we're doing Mm -hmm. something different, they will call us out on our stuff. So let's talk a little bit about your experience with being a role role model. Has it been hard for you to Mm. live, actually walk out the things that you're trying to teach or that you say are as important? I think in some aspects, absolutely, you know, our family values, those, those are also uh, many of my personal values. So that's kind of easy to walk out, Mm -hmm. but with regards to modeling behavior, one of the things that I learned early on as a mama, uh, you know, my parents were of a generation that you really didn't like apologize to a kid. You know, Mm -hmm. that was not part of, you're like, you're the parent, you discipline, you do the things. Um, but I didn't want that for my children. I wanted them to see that we all make mistakes. And so when my children were very, very little, I, I went to them. I had to ask, you know, my kids for forgiveness. I still have to ask them for forgiveness often. But that was something I started modeling early. And then it's much easier to call them out and say, hey, you know, that wasn't showing kindness to your sibling. You need to go apologize. And a lot of times, you know, you'd get that, sorry, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm like, are you really though? I mean, when mom says she's sorry to you, does she sound like that? Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I Mm -hmm. would go over them. I did this. That wasn't right of me. I'm very sorry. Like you have a genuine moment of apology. So that's just one of the examples of how I modeled a behavior that wasn't necessarily modeled for me in parenting. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I I think now, like my parents would, 
they they would absolutely do that. But I think when I was a little kid, that wasn't part of their culture and certainly yeah. not even their generation, to be fair. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's just really important for us to remember as parents that so much is caught, not taught. A lot is learned from teaching moments and talking to our kids, but they observe us and they are learning from us all the time. And it really is a good question of, am I living out what I say Mm -hmm. is my value or that is important? And to, to see then that they catch on to that. And one thing that's been cool is my husband last summer was doing this fitness program and he was doing really well with them, super proud of him. And then my son wanted to do it because he saw his dad doing it. And so it just is a really good reminder that they, yes, they learn our negative things sometimes, and that's not the greatest. I'm grateful to have them as a mirror, but they also do learn great things from us too, when we are living out of our, our gifts and our strengths and leaning into these values that we have. Yeah. What I found too, is that there are principles that I am teaching my kids that I I'm, I'm passionate about. However, there are times when my own wounds and my own limiting beliefs or lies that I believe trigger, not the response that I'm trying to teach my kids is the right response. And so I do feel that I am taking very seriously the responsibility for me to get help and grow in the areas that I need so that I can then really walk in those things that I want my kids to learn. If I want my kids to respond in a certain way to somebody who uh, doesn't say kind things, then they need to see me not being triggered by something that was said by somebody else in my home that shouldn't have said that. (laughs) And so learning to really look at myself and be willing to grow and be willing to equip myself, then I can then set an example to them has been important to me throughout my parenting journey. And I still have a lot of room to grow, but I want to make sure that I'm walking it out. You know, and so I've explained, I've explained to them too, like going back to this whole thing of asking forgiveness, saying like, I'm still growing in this area. I don't, I don't think I did that right. I think that I'm, you know, learning and getting better. And I think there's better ways I could have handled it. And so being honest about the things that I get triggered about, I mean, I have older kids now and you can talk to little kids about it in a way as well, but yeah, taking on that responsibility of really wanting to make myself a better person so that I can be a better parent. That's so good, Kim. And I think that is a great bit of encouragement for listeners is that when we need help, because as parents, we will need help, right? Mm -hmm. None of us go into parenting knowing how to do it all, Mm -hmm. that we seek out that help and that we don't have any shame in that. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's things that we didn't have modeled for us. So we, we want to change that and we want to get some help for that. Or again, like you were saying triggers, like I found when my kids were little that I was being triggered a lot because my perfectionism and schedules and all those things weren't coming to fruition. And so I decided to go to counseling and to do some digging and find some tools to help me and it's changed everything. And so Mm -hmm. I just always like to encourage seek out the help when you need it. And again, there's no shame in it because it makes us a better version of ourselves. And then we can go out and be better parents. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. We don't raise our kids solo. Like, nope, 
the, there is uh, that phrase, you know, the colloquialism, it takes a village. That is so true. So I, I'm one of those people in the village that I'm like, I'm drowning. Can someone come yeah. over here and help me out? <laughs> <laughs> so I've not, I've always been the one to put my hand up, but here's what I found. Like when you're willing to be the first person to ask for help, mm-hmm. you open the door for other, you give permission to other people mm-hmm. to do the same thing. And it's really such a beautiful, you know, it's a beautiful thing. So don't be afraid if you're like, well, everyone else seems to have their life like totally together. Trust me, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They yeah. Don't. Yeah. And and I think people really enjoy helping one another. Mm, I think yes. we can really benefit from linking arms with our other moms and t- tapping into their wisdom and their experience in the ways that come natural to them, but might, might not come natural to us. And how yeah. do you deal with it? And how do you cope with it? And what are your strategies? And, and finding complementary relationships and, and yeah, asking for help is so mm. important. And I think like just a warning, this is like a, a word of caution mm-hmm. for mamas. Don't set an expectation for other mamas to be just like you in the relationship, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're like, Hey, I'm going to put my hand up, I'm asked for help. And, and then, you know, it's not reciprocated. Just don't, don't take that personally. Mm-hmm. That's just, they have their own stuff, their own style. And again, like some, some moms are like, well, I helped her babysit her kids and she never babysits my kids. That's like, check your heart. Did you mm-hmm. do that? because you were expecting something in return or were you mm-hmm. just trying to help another mama out? Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of like those cautionary tales from yeah. a person who's been there, done that and <laughs> got the t-shirt. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies, this was wonderful. I I think that parenting on purpose is so vital to having a thriving family. I always learn so much when I talk to you guys. So thank you. Thank you for being with us today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? Besides sharing this podcast with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways that you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. And remember, family culture isn't about perfect, it's about purpose.